0: This is Mr. Biz Radio, sponsored by Capital Plus. Over the next half hour, Mr. Biz, Ken Wentworth, a two-time national best-selling author and leading business advisor, will cover topics that help business owners operate their businesses more profitably and more efficiently. If you're ready to take your business to the next level, this program is for you. And now, here's Mr. Biz, Ken Wentworth.
1: All right. Welcome to another episode of Mr. Biz Radio with me, Mr. Biz, Ken Wentworth. And we are brought to you by the good folks at Capital Plus. Capital Plus unlocks your capital and unleashes your business potential. They create customized financial solutions for growing businesses nationwide. All right. Well, this week, guys, we got a, we got a treat. We have another author with us and uh, a business veteran. This guy's, Gosh, his business career is, uh, I, I wouldn't even begin to start to run it down. And we'll let him t- tell us about some of it. Um, but he's had a ton of success in the business world. And he's actually written, recently written a book called Yes Is More. And we're going to talk about that. But we're, welcome to the show, Howard Brown.
2: Thank you very much for putting me on today.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So Howard, why don't we get started with a little bit about, um Gosh, again, I know your your business career has been lengthy and super successful. Tell us about your journey.
2: Well, when I graduated college, I went into one of the family businesses at the time was in the plastic business. We were extruders of polyethylene film, and that was in 67. In 70, my father, at the age of 54, sold five plastic companies and called it quits uh, one of them is a famous company today. It was called Sealed Air. It is Sealed Air, the air bubble company. When we sold it, it was about a twelve million dollar company, and today, I think it's larger than three to four billion dollars. Um, wow. I had a, I had a restricted covenant, and I had to stay on for a little over a year and a half, and then in um, early '72. I bought a third interest into a $300,000 a year mama-papa stationery company on 38 West 26th Street in New York City, uh, basically servicing the city and uh, in the metropolitan area, little Jersey, a little Westchester. And uh, it was strictly B2B. We were not retail in any way. And if you were in the city... Opposed to being in New Jersey, you offered printing because it was a printer on any street corner. And if you got an order for business cards or letterheads, you could go to a printer and have it done and make believe like it was coming from your own shop. So you were a little more diversified. And in your catalog that you bought, uh, it sold furniture and related products. So that company was doing 300,000. I bought it from a country club member who was, had no children and it was 72 and he had a partner 76 years of age and uh, they had no children either and uh, they wanted to eventually get out of the business and I bought a third interest as I said. Um, A year and a half later, uh, they got out of the business. And we made uh, a number of little acquisitions uh, in Jersey and Westchester and Long Island, what we called add-on acquisitions, and changed their name. And it became at that time Summit Office Supply, which was the name of the company. Mm -hmm. And we stayed with that business to 87 when a Dutch company uh, read, read an article by Arthur D. Little talking about the office supply industry as a sleeper industry that the Big Pen really didn't cost uh 39 cents when it was selling it was really a six cent item and there were big markups in that business Mm
1: -hmm.
2: and the Dutch came into the United States and I was their first acquisition into the office products business in 87 at that time the company was doing about 55 million dollars from 300,000 dollars and being their first acquisition in 88 I went to England for them and bought a company in England um and the two Arms, the U.S. and England was going to expand their business. In 87, Staples came into the business. Uh, Office Depot came into the business. Um, And uh, there was another company that was big in the retail side of the business as your superstores. And then they started buying up office products companies because they learned quickly that they were not buying the product at the right price, that the big dealers were getting it. And Office Depot bought a company in LA called Eastman, doing about 600 million. And um, Staples bought a company called New Jersey Office Supply, which was doing about 300 million at the time. And the Dutch had a decision to make, either to grow fast or get out, because their philosophy was uh, they were either going to be number one or number two in the marketplace. So they expanded and they bought some other companies. And I ran my northeastern region for them up to about five 500- hundred. 500, 550 million and stayed uh, to, to 96. Um, in 96, when I left, I had a two year restricted covenant. And I came back in 98 uh, with some venture money. And uh, we bought, they put up $100 million, of which I put up $2 million, And we bought uh, 10 companies in that day office products companies, predominantly a couple furniture companies. Uh, and a small promotional products company, and we had a base of about 120 million dollars. Uh, that company uh, got into trouble in 2001 uh, with the um, World Trade Center coming down, uh-huh. um, and uh, we had 11 million dollars blow up in that with that situation, and you couldn't mm-hmm. make a delivery south. Of 14th Street. There were tanks in that, in those days. You couldn't make a delivery. So that affected another $10 million of business. And uh, we had just moved in in 201 into a 275,000 state-of-the-art warehouse in Clifton, New Jersey. And next door, we took 60,000 square feet of corporate headquarters. And that company uh, was sold to Office Depot in 06. We bought it back from the banks in 03. Uh, the banks took a haircut; they wanted out because of the war, mm. uh, the Gulf War, mm. and uh, one bank was a French bank, uh, the other bank was uh, an English bank, and they wanted out of the out of the U.S. market. And as you know, in in um, uh, people the, the people were not drinking Grey Goose because it was a French product, so right. the, the French <laughs> bank Credit Agricole and Societe Generale wanted out, and we were able to buy it back for a song and a dance. And that company uh, at one time was up to $375 million from the 125. We did some add-on acquisitions. And then we sold to Office Depot in 06. One of the things we were uh, doing that Office Depot was not doing was we were the first to introduce the K-Cup into the office products industry to go along uh, with the soda and the water we were delivering uh, to corporate headquarters. Uh, and we put coffee uh, in and we became Kurok's, Kurok's biggest customer in the United States. So at one time uh, we were selling close to four million cups of coffee a month. Wow. Office Depot was not selling any coffee and they wanted that. And we were selling more law firms at that time than Staples and Depot put together. And they wanted to get into the northeastern market which was the weakest market for Office Depot. Uh, They had three other equal arms around the country and and the United States, but they were weak in the Northeast. So we strengthened the Northeast. They bought the company in 06, and I ended up with a four-year restricted covenant. Right before we sold that company to Office Depot, we were in the midst of buying a company called Renocrate, which are plastic crates that move corporations um, with dollies and, and the crates. And they had no problem with that staying out of the deal. And if I left them, that I could buy that company and, and operate that company with no restrictive covenant. Um, Interesting. We we parted we parted companies within three four months, and I went and bought Renocrate, which gave me the ability to keep in touch with all my old accounts, even though I had a four year restrictive covenant. And six months later, I. Took over a small company doing $100,000 called ShredX, because when corporations move, they shred and they purge their files. Mm -hmm. So we thought that was a perfect added value proposition, which also allowed me to sell all my law firms and hospitals that we were doing business with. And four years to the day, we came back with a greenfield operation. Uh, and went to the largest, the second largest wholesaler in the United States at that time was S.P. Richards, a division of Genuine Auto Parts. Mm-hmm. And they bankrolled us to um, put up the money to go forward. And we gave them a 10-year commitment that we would buy all of our product from them, whatever we didn't stock. And in those gotcha. days, we stocked very little. Gotcha. So so, uh, hold on
1: on just a second, Howard. We got to hit a break here. Um, Fascinating story. Let's come back after the break and continue hearing the story from Howard Brown. Thank you.
2: Business owners have a continually growing to-do list with little time for revenue producing activities. With Check Off Your List and their experienced team of virtual assistants, you can focus on growing your business. Visit CheckoffYourList.com to learn how Check Off Your List skilled team can handle your day-to-day tasks like social media, bookkeeping, calendar maintenance, and much more. Contact Check Off Your List at CheckoffYourList.com or call 888 262 1249 to see how their virtual assistants can help you live to work rather than work to live.
0: To submit questions to the show, email them to info at MrBizSolutions.com. Now, once again, here's Mr. Biz.
1: All right, well, welcome back to Mr. Biz Radio. It's time for Mr. Biz Tip of the Week. And this week's tip is, some of you may have guessed this one, <laughs> if you don't know your financials, specifically things like your gross margin, your debt service cost, cash flow, of course, uh, and your net margin, among other things, but those things are uh, really critically important to know, you should definitely hire an expert so you, you do know those numbers because those numbers, if you don't know them in the long run, will catch up to you and will cause problems. It definitely will be money well spent. And if you don't know who you can ask about that, I might know a guy. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Uh, so that is the Mr. Biz tip of the week on Mr. Biz Radio. And uh, again, we're brought to you by Capital Plus. Capital Plus removes the hassles of bouncing cash flow by becoming your full service credit and collections department. You can find out more about them by giving them a call at 855-522-3951. All right, so let's get back into this. So Howard, I warned you guys, Howard has a, this magnificent, massive history of business as he was uh, telling us about in the first uh, segment. And sorry, I had to cut you off at the end there. We were running out of time there, Howard. So so from, I think we left off at around 2007 or so, what uh, beyond that?
2: So what happened in 2010, our restricted covenant came off and we went back in the office products business and uh, we kept the shredding and the, uh, crate business, and we expanded the shredding business from 100,000 to 10 million. Wow. And and um, we didn't do any on uh, acquisitions, but because we had so many customers, we were able to reach the law firms and and the hospitals, and we added major pieces of business because it's a our business was a relationship business. So as long as we could provide equal or better service at a equal to or better price to our current customer bases. Uh, they all opened up their arms. And then in 2010, we were able to now sell them office products again and all the other add-on services that we were known for. We were really mm-hmm. known as a one solution house where most people were just selling office products. So we added printing and and, and, and furniture and uh, coffee and beverage and and janitorial and what we called promotional products, anything with a corporate logo. So we could deliver in one box all of the items. So one of our targets would be going after banks, small regional banks that had 15, 20 branches where we delivered their forms and their printing and their office supplies and their uh, lollipops or whatever they were giving away. When you opened Mm -hmm. up an account or when you walked in, Mm -hmm. along with coffee and beverage, all in one box as a one solution, which was not very customary in our industry, and also carrying proprietary inventory. So when we carried the merchants or the bank's product in our warehouse, we did not charge them for inventory, but everything was next day delivery. And we kept their inventory to them. They never ran out of product. They didn't have to have paper rushes. And we delivered it right to their branch the next day. So they were not carrying the stuff around from their warehouse to other branches. And that inventory was on my books that was not being used and not on their books. So it was a big plus and, and it was a big selling tool. So in, in, in 10, we got the off-supply business as a startup, Greenfield. And the wholesaler that backed us brought us a deal at the end of 10 because one of the biggest stationers doing about $120 million out of Nashville, Tennessee, even though he was nationwide, but nationwide everywhere, but not the extreme Northeast. He was not in New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, and further east than that, and further north than that. Mm-hmm. So they brought us that deal. Uh, they were bidding against they were bidding against another wholesaler who had two other people bidding, and they had me bidding, and we won that, and overnight we became a $120 million dealer, and that became uh, – Part of High Touch and, uh, and they traded under the name of MyOp. Uh, in 2018, that company was sold to Staples. And to this day, Staples is still using the MyOp name, not the High Touch name, but the MyOp name mm-hmm. for mid market. And they've bought a few companies since and they all put it under the umbrella of Maya because they felt that that customer service was far greater than anything they had seen before handling the midsize account. Um, And that was our specialty. So we created as much added value as we could. And by doing that, we created the loyalty that each time we came back, our customers came back, our salespeople came back, and our employees came back, which is really the theme of the book, Yes Is More. we didn't have to say no to the customers. The big boxes said, this is what we have, column A, column B. We don't deviate. And we said, whatever you need, you can have. And that was the differentiation between us and the Office Depots and the, and the, and the, and the staples of the world. Um, what was one-time Office Max that merged with uh, Office Depot, and it's now Office Depot, Office Max. So you had big three uh, superstores that became two. And we were competing against them on the B2B side. And we were able to penetrate the mid-sized accounts and the major law firms throughout the United States because we were a nationwide account. We became the second largest independent dealer in the last two companies I owned, uh, both High both, um, uh, Touch and, and Allied Office Supply. And uh, we were right behind a company called... Um, WB Masons. Um, so we were much more complete than WB. WB believed that they couldn't put it on their truck and they they didn't want to be in that other business. So they didn't want to be in the print business. They didn't want to be at the time in the m- promotional products business. And they weren't even in the coffee business. Um, so today uh, they're in all the businesses that they have to be to compete against the big guys. In fact, the industry has changed so much that everybody is selling gloves, and masks, and that's become the biggest part of their business today. Because with nobody going to work, they're not in an office uh, environment where they're using up the Xerox paper and the pens and pencils and paper clips.
1: Yeah, no, it makes sense. Uh, gosh, what a what a fantastic history. So we've only got about uh, about a minute and a half here. If we got to hit another break here, Howard, but. So through all of that, and obviously the scaling that you were able to do, my gosh, it had to be super exciting. You know, what was the, what would you say? And I don't want you to give away any of your tips for the last segment when we're going to talk about, you know, how to win in business as an underdog. You know, being a little guy competing against these massive companies. But you know, what's just even just one thing that you can you, you learn through that is 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 um competing against those big big companies. It sounds like what you just mentioned is a lot of it had to do with just being flexible. Is that is that true?
2: It was. It was completely flexible, but more importantly, it was the value of the of the relationship and the loyalty we had with our employees, our executives, and with our suppliers. Uh, all through the years, and you know, the the run, the run went from seventy two to eighteen of of, of two thousand. We tried to use the same manufacturers and the same employees, and we grew from within. And that loyalty, when you have a 2001 event, and you have recessions, and you have people laying off people, that loyalty kept us alive, and we were able to prosper both with the banks on the same banks, the same manufacturers, and the same employees. So loyalty was a big key for us.
1: Yeah, and again, it's, it's, we talk about this in different guests and different topics. It always comes back to that, those relationships and that flexibility, like you said, with employees, suppliers and customers. So next week we're talking if, with, I'm, I'm sorry, go ahead.
2: And I was going to say the empowerment of it. We let gotcha. the customer service people and the truck drivers know that they were frontline to the customer and they were the most critical uh, people that the customer was going to see and speak with every day. And they were in a position to make decisions right on
1: the spot. Yeah, no, I'm sure that was super empowering. So again, we're talking with Howard Brown, the author of Yes Is More. We're going to come back after the break, and Howard's going to give us some tips on how to compete in business as an underdog. Are you looking for ways to streamline your
2: business? If so, Pulse can help. Pulse is a CRM and marketing automation platform with many features, such as email and text message marketing, project management, quoting and invoicing. And much more. If you're a franchise, we also have a franchise-specific version with robust franchise management capabilities. Request your demo today at thepulsepot.com. Again, that's thepulse P U L S E spot.com.
0: Check out both of Mr. Biz's national best-selling books, Pathway to Profits, and How to Be a Cash Flow Pro on Amazon. Now, once again, here's Mr. Biz.
1: All right. Welcome back to Mr. Biz Radio with me, Mr. Biz Ken Wentworth. And again, this week's guest is Howard Brown. He's the author of Yes Is More. And so you guys just heard this amazing history that he's had and uh, which led to this book, Yes Is More. So uh, Howard, tell us about the book, but specifically in the book, you know, uh, I want to dig, dig into this a little bit and pick your brain on because obviously you were competing against these massive, massive companies. And we're kicking butt and taking names, obviously, all along the way. So I wanted to pick your brain a little bit and get some of your tips, you know, for some of us, our listeners out there that are in our business owners and doing the same thing. And they're trying to compete against some of these larger companies. You know, how do you win in business as the underdog and competing against these larger companies?
2: You've got to create as much added value and differentiate yourself from the big guys. Uh, one of our differentiations was the one solution cell, and we had no problem carrying proprietary inventory. So one of my one of my biggest accounts that we grew with as they added stores uh, was tractor and supply. We carried three million dollars of their inventory in our warehouse and made deliveries to their uh, distribution centers and their stores every week. At, at the end they had over 1600 stores and that included their printing forms their office supplies their aprons that the people wore and anything that was not for resale the big guys would not get into that logistics business and we we wanted to be in the logistics business because those customers once you had them you and if they were and if they grew by adding more stores you grew with them we had mm-hmm. two full-time employees in their location in Nashville um to go to meetings and to see what was going on and that became a big part of our business so when we were doing 3-400 million dollars or close to 400 million dollars we were always doing in the neighborhood of 25 to 30 million dollars in that field another area was we were in the designer furniture business so we had nine full-time designers nationwide and knowing that the customer was going to move or they were going to renovate or do something we always asked for a chance and we did all of the drawings, everything at no charge, with the hope we would get the order. Once we did the drawings, I would say 75% of the time we were able to get the order. Some of those orders ran to a million, million and a half, two million dollars. In fact, uh, the biggest job we ever did was for Montefiore Hospital, it was over a five million dollar job with thousands of workstations. Uh,
0: wow.
2: But, but I would say the differentiation having a one stop shop or one solution sell is is a big advantage. Especially especially after nine eleven when people didn't want ten different truck drivers walking through their facility. Sure, As you yeah. know, the industry became stockless. So nobody had a stock room anymore and they ordered supplies like they got their mail delivered to a desk every every day. So all of that was critical. Again, the customer service person was critical, the driver was critical and That was key along with the coffee and beverage. And if they wanted a special cereal delivered or a special something, we were there to deliver it because we we didn't make anything. So if you're dealing in a strictly commodity business, you better find out a way to make your commodities a little different and create the added value. That was critical. And we did over in my career over about 60 acquisitions. And I would tell you, the key is like moving into a house. You better unpack those bags the night you move in, because if you don't, you never do it. We bought a company on a Friday, and by Monday morning, that company was gone, named. They were on our system, and and they they had all the advantages and all the added products we were selling. So we got more out of the acquisition, and their sales force was able to make a greater living. So it was critical. As we got much bigger and we bought bigger companies, it didn't take us uh, a, a week. It may have taken us... 60 days, but we made sure that within a short period that they were fully automated in our system. Uh, I know the company, as I said, that bought us both Depot and Staples, it took them well over a year, year and a half to fully integrate our company. Uh, In fact, not all of the customers are fully integrated today and we're into 2020 and the company was bought in June of 18. So it's two years. I think the last big customer Uh, tractor and supply is going on now. Uh, So, you know, if you want to get the synergy out of the business, you got to act quickly and you got to make sure that you're getting all the deepest penetration at your account so you can get your average order size up. One of our strengths was our logistics. I mean, in writing the book, it it was really done originally as a biography, but the editors felt there were lessons to be learned for young entrepreneurs. So we shifted a little bit and it was also a way of uh, getting it to our old employees and our sales force and the manufacturers had a desire to see everything in writing. And, and we went about doing it that way.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, interesting. And it's funny. Uh, well, not funny, I guess, uh, as I think back, as you're talking through that, Howard, it's, you know, I, I worked at uh, J.P. Morgan Chase for 20 plus years. And that's one of the things that we struggled with, even at, you know, being a large company like that is competing with, you know, regional or local banks is there they was a lot of times when we would lose business, it was for exact reasons you're talking about. They're more flexible. They're able to do things a little bit more of a personal touch in a lot of cases. And so we always struggled with, we wanted to be able to give people, you know, sort of that national or global capability at, with a bank, but yet have the local, more flexible touch and it sounds like, you know, you guys were able to deliver that. And that's probably why you were able to grow so significantly. Um, and, and, you know, gosh, I'm excited like to all those different stories of the growth and scale that you guys experienced. I mean, it's just amazing. Um,
2: well, you know, when you're, when you're nimble and you're creating a relationship with that account, that every time we came back, the same accounts came back to us that relationship allows them to explore into other products, which they feel makes their life easier. Because, you know, when there's a downturn in the economy, the first people that get let go are in the purchasing department because they feel that buying office products, anybody can do it, and it's not a big deal. And and what do they need and everything else? So you got to be able to offer the service and and the relationship and create that added value at all times. And, And we did it. We penetrated more uh, of, the, of the C-level at corporations and they knew who we were and if they needed something, they called and we made sure that we delivered every time. Uh, just to give you an idea, a lot of people are afraid of Amazon. We got into bed with Amazon and became Am- Amazon's number one provider from a service point of view and had the highest marks from them on a third party provider. Uh, so much so that they even moved into our warehouse to convince us to do their prime. And we became so involved with them, with having two of their people on our staff, uh, one in the warehouse and one in in our IT department, that they eventually brought us into accounts that they were offering more added value to, like John Hopkins, where they were going to sell them laboratory equipment and other equipment. And they brought us a $10 million opportunity and, and handed us the account that went through their porthole and today, I understand that, that, that they brought staples, I don't know, maybe $100 million of situations like that. When I left, we were doing close to $200,000 a night with Amazon and eBay, and but 80% with Amazon. Today, they're doing well over $600,000 a night uh, in that field. And that's what's keeping them alive as people are working from home and everything else.
1: Yeah, I know. They definitely have taken a, a, a huge leap, um, a lot of those companies, but Amazon especially. So again, this week, we're talking with Howard Brown. Gosh, you guys have heard his story. You've heard about the amazing career he's had. Imagine all the nuggets that are in this book. Again, the book is called Yes Is More. Um, when we release the show on social media, we'll definitely put a link to the book to make sure you guys can easily find that uh, fascinating stuff. Howard, I really appreciate you being on the show.
2: Thank you very much for having me.
1: Yeah, good stuff. Good stuff, guys. Um, so again, Howard Brown, Yes is More. Go out, check it out. You can find it pretty much everywhere you find books. But again, we'll put a link uh, when we share the show across uh, social media. Um, and again, awesome information, really meaningful things that you can take from this as far as being a business owner and or an entrepreneur starting a business and being able to plan for those things and compete against the big boys. So as always, guys, thanks for listening. Thanks to our show sponsor, Capital Plus. You can reach them at capplus.com forward slash MrBiz. Have a great week. And don't forget, as always, cash flow is king.
0: This has been Mr. Biz Radio, sponsored by Capital Plus, a division of United Capital Funding Group. Capital Plus is your trusted resource for commercial financing and accounts receivable management. They've been providing working capital to businesses nationally for more than 27 years. Learn more about them at capplus.com forward slash Mr. Biz. Or to schedule a free consultation, call 855-522-3951.